good job. Acts chapter 4. This is going to be our theme verse for the year. Thank you, Brother Sam. Acts chapter 4, verse number 31. Everybody turn there if you could. And I'd like to read it out loud together. Thank you, sir. Acts 4, 31. Acts chapter 4, verse number 31. I want to say if you are a first-time attender or you've not been coming for very long, uh, we don't do elections every Sunday, okay? And that was the first time I've ever seen anything like that, but that was really good. That was painless, Jeremy. That was, <laughs> you know, your mind always goes to the worst-case scenario. What if people go for a bidding war for the lawn? He says, no, no, it's nothing like that. It's nothing like that. And so that was, that was a blessing. That was fun to watch. Okay, Acts chapter 4, verse number 31 now, let's read this out loud together, okay? Everybody there? Say amen if you're there. Amen. All right, good. Acts 4, 31, ready, begin. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. My desire for me, for this church, is to make 2021 the year that we really learned how to pray. And now, now you, you know how to pray, maybe I know how to pray, but I think all of us, if we were honest with ourselves, could say we could really take our prayer life to the next level. I would love for it to be said of me, there goes a prayer warrior. Not so people could say things about me, but because I make prayer a priority. Be honest with yourself, you don't have to nod or raise your hand or anything, but when was the last time you spent any time in prayer? More than 10 seconds, a minute in prayer. Now, I understand when you kneel to pray, a minute is a long time. Somehow, somehow time stands still and we get distracted, but prayer is the most effective tool in the Christian's arsenal, but I really believe it's the most neglected. When you pray, and I've said something to this effect before, when you pray, you literally, we good here? Is this on? Test, 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 test. Thank you. When you pray, you are able to have the ear of the God of the universe listening to you. Prayer. Prayer. In our verse here this morning, I'd like you to really, really open up your heart. Really, really open your mind and ask, Lord, teach me something from the Word of God. I'm going to pray, and as I pray, ask God in your heart. Pray yourself, Lord, please teach me something from the Bible this morning. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us right now as we look to the Word of God. Elections are good. Singing is wonderful. Fellowship is great. But the most important thing in a church service is the preaching of the Word of God. Lord, you've magnified your Word above your own name. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be stirred and convicted from the Word of God to do more in our prayer life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Here in Acts 4.31, the church prayed. And when they prayed, God answered. Let's look at this earth-shaking prayer. Number one, let's look at how they prayed. How they prayed. I want to see what happened to lead up to this church praying and then the earth literally shaking, the ground shaking at this time. Well, if you look for context, you don't have to do it right now, but in Acts chapter number three, uh, Peter and John have just healed somebody. They've healed a man who was 40 years old, who was, who was sick from his birth. And then everybody was gathered around and that healing gave them opportunity to preach. So they preached for a while. But then the religious leaders, much as they did to Jesus, the religious leaders gathered together and said, you can't be doing this. 
You can't be teaching and preaching in the name of Jesus. If you look in Acts chapter number three, uh, let's, uh, Acts chapter four, uh, and the, verse one, as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. So Peter and John heal this guy. Everybody gathers around. They preach. They preach hard. They say, you crucified Jesus. If you look in uh, Acts 3.14, ye denied the Holy One. Acts 3.15, ye killed the Prince of Life. And then he said in verse 19, repent ye therefore. So he's preaching. And 5,000 people get saved. Wow, that's quite a preaching meeting, isn't it? I mean, that's like great awakening type stuff. That's, that's huge. That's stuff they write about. And they did. 5,000 people. And then so the Sanhedrin, the religious ruling body says this can't be. They put him in jail. The next day they bring him out in verse 5, Acts 4, 5. Came to pass on the morrow that the rulers, elders, scribes, Annas the high priest, Caiaphas and John and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. When they had set them in the midst, they said, by what power or by what name have ye done this? Whew, shouldn't have asked that. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he's made whole, be it known unto y'all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which is set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I really shouldn't read all this for sake of time, but you just can't stop there. Keep reading. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. It doesn't mean they were, they were dumb. It just means that they weren't these religious orators, but they were filled with the Holy Ghost preaching in Jesus' name. And then uh, there was the guy, anyways, they, the guy was healed there. They couldn't say anything against it, but they commanded, they threatened. They said, don't preach or teach anymore in the name of Jesus. Well, they answered right back. They didn't, they didn't have to think about that. They didn't have to pray about that. They said, you're telling us not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. They said, you're religious people. And if you keep reading later, you're religious people. You tell me which I should do, obey you or obey God. God is telling me to preach in the name of Jesus. And that's where we see the rationale that we ought to obey God rather than men. Verse number um, Let's see, verse 19. Peter and John said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, so they're they, they like, man, there's 5,000 people just got saved. This person, this man very clearly is healed. There's only so much we can do right now because of the will of the people, the, the, the crowd, the mob. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was about 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Meaning everybody knew this guy was sick since his birth. And everybody knew it was a miracle. Everybody knew this guy personally. This impotent, was paralyzed, this impotent man. Okay, so how they prayed. Now think about this. They have just been threatened by the religious body. What was, if, if you remember, remember Jesus when he was crucified? Remember who sentenced him to death at the first? They brought him to Pilate. Remember, it was a religious body. It was the Sanhedrin, the, the, the leading Jewish uh, religious people at the time. And those people had, had brought him to, 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 to Herod and went to Pilate and all that back and forth. But this threatening was no idle threat. Jesus had just been killed, just been crucified after similar threatenings. Okay, so, so it was very serious. But look what they did. Their first reaction, verse number 23 
And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. You know what their first reaction was? It was to pray. It was to pray. What is your first reaction when something happens in your life? Is your instinct to pray or is your instinct to complain? You know, often we'll go to every single possible avenue for a solution and then finally run out of options and we're left with prayer. When friends, that should have been the very first thing that you and I did was to pray. Was to pray. They went to their church They shared that prayer request and then with one voice, that church lifted up their voice to God. How many times has this church with one voice lifted up their voice to God and prayed for a request? Uh, Miss Sheila Bishop thought she had cancer. For sure she had cancer. They were going to get another test and then the doctor said, oh, it's it's actually not cancer, just a cyst. (laughs) After we all came here and with one voice lifted up their, their voice to God. And that's not to take anything away from personal private prayer. We'll explore prayer a lot this year as we study what the Bible says about prayer, learning how to pray. But here, they lifted up their voice with one to God immediately. How else did they pray? They acknowledged who God is. I really want you to see this. This is, this is an awesome passage of Scripture. It'll change your life if you let it. Verse 24, they lifted up their voice. And look at the very first thing they said. Now, you and I, in our feeble prayer, We'll say, Lord, will you please help me win this sweepstakes? Please help me have a good day. And, and, I'm not, and nothing, if you're, if you're going to God in prayer, it's the right direction. I'm not trying to belittle anybody's prayer. Uh, but the very first thing that this earth-shaking prayer had in it was acknowledging who God is. Look at it. It said, Lord, thou art God, who hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Did you know that? L- listen to this. Think about this. When you pray to God, you are talking, like I said, to the creator God, the God who made everything that you've ever seen, everything you've ever thought of, the God that gave you a conscience to be able to think and to make decisions, the God that gave you the capacity to be saved, that spiritual self inside of you that can be made alive by Jesus Christ. It's the God who made, if you've watched a, a nature show, every, the, everything in the deepest ocean that you've seen with footage from a submarine, he made everything in there. Everything on the, the tallest mountains in Linville Gorge, the Grand Canyon of the, of the Southeast, he made everything that you're ever going to see. All of the animals, he made everything that you've seen with a telescopic photo lens, all the planets, the galaxies, the stars, and he made everything that you've seen from a slide, from a microscope, the protozoa, everything that's the smallest creatures. You take a little, a little drop of fluid out of a mud puddle, you put it under a microscope, it's teeming with life. God did that. And that's the God who you pray to. It's the God who knows how many hairs are on your head or have been on your head. He's the God who was there for every single moment of your life. He's the God who was there at your conception, at your birth. He's the God that's here right now. He's the God that'll be there when you die. He is the God who knows more about you than you know yourself. He's the God who knows what's in your future. He's the God who knows what's in your past. He's the God who knows your favorite things, your least favorite things, your greatest fears. He knows everything about you. That's the God that you pray to. He's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God who loves you with such an all-consuming sacrificial love that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Why? Only because he loves us. That's the God that you pray to. 
Look at it again. Verse number 24, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord, says, Lord, thou art God, the only God, who has made heaven, earth, the sea, and all that in them is. You know, it's a good idea when you approach God to remember who you're speaking. Now, we, we come boldly to the throne of grace. We come boldly, but we also come humbly. We come understanding the privilege that we have to go to the Lord in prayer. That's who you pray to. And they also prayed according to the word of God. Look at verse 25. Now, they quote Psalm chapter number two in verse 25. They said, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Now, let me explain this. This is huge. Everybody listening? Say amen if you're listening. Wave your hand if you're listening. Okay, good. All right, that's most of you. Good job. Okay. They are praying, God, you're, you're everything. You're sovereign. Sovereign means God is in control. He has authority over everything. He can do what he wants, when he wants. Sovereign, like we say a king is a sovereign. God is actually sovereign overall. He's in control. That's what we say when, when somebody goes through something hard or a sickness or something. We, we pray, but we understand God is sovereign. We're gonna trust God for the outcome. Now with that in mind, they pray acknowledging that God said by the mouth of David in the book of Psalms, something that would happen a long time later. And that was that Jesus Christ would be crucified. Now I think you and I would understand that the crucifixion was a, was a tragedy. If we were watching the crucifixion happening, we wouldn't say, praise God, pray. like we sing about the cross now, I'll cherish the old rugged cross, and we say hallelujah. But at the time, I would say as we see Jesus Christ almost unrecognizable, unrecognizable according to the Old Testament, as a man, beaten to a pulp, who never did anything wrong, completely innocent, we would be weeping. We would say, this is wrong. This is unjust. And it was unjust. It was the definition of unjust. And yet God allowed it to happen. Okay, stay with me. Stay with me. So they said again, by the mouth of David prophesied uh, that everybody would be against uh, Jesus. For of a truth, verse 27, against thy holy child Jesus. Again, they're, they're, by the way, they're glorifying Jesus in the prayer. That's always good. Whom thou hast anointed, both Herod, Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles, so the Jewish people and the Gentile people and the people of Israel gathered together for to do, look at verse 28 though, look at verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You think about that verse, look at the next bullet point, acknowledging the sovereignty of God. This is an incredible acknowledgement of the sovereignty of God. Now, at the same, now think about this, we're looking at the cross, imagine Jesus being crucified, we'd say that's terrible. What a terrible, terrible thing. However, it was God's will for that to be so. God allowed that to happen. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't this terrible thing that spiraled out of control. That God, why'd you let this happen? That was God's design from the beginning. We're going to talk about it tonight. It's a very in-depth study. Uh, when, uh, tonight, we're going to look at why Jesus chose Judas to be a disciple, one of the apostles. The, next, uh, the last two verses in John 6 we're gonna look at. It's very interesting, so I'll save some of, this, some of this thinking. But what Jesus allowed, or what God allowed to happen, what Jesus submitted to, was in the will of God. The gospel is God's plan for mankind. Jesus had to be killed, crucified, in order for you and I to be saved. God allowed it to happen. God allowed men, and that was their fault. I mean, Peter just preached. If you look at chapter three, and we'll look at it tonight, how Peter laid the blame of the crucifixion squarely at the feet of those he was speaking to. It said, you crucified, you did it. 
And yet when they come to God in prayer, look at it again, look at the difference. He said, you've allowed this, verse 28, for to do whatsoever or whatever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. You think about that. God put this all in motion before time began. And they're thinking about the tragedy that they just saw, which was Jesus Christ being killed for our sins, crucified. And they also saw him rising again. And they probably hearkened back to what they felt as Jesus was being crucified, that tragedy, that, that longing to change that circumstance. But now, I would say, they're very thankful that it happened. They understand redemption and how you and I can be saved now. And now they're in a similar situation. They know they're not going to save anybody, but they're preaching salvation, Jesus Christ. And that same religious group of people is threatening them. They think, well, this could very well be the end of life. And, and, it, and it was for Peter, at least. We know from, from history, he was martyred. John was probably exiled and died in exile. But we know that all but one of the apostles, disciples were going to be martyred, killed for their faith. So they know it's going to happen. And when they come to God in prayer, they're acknowledging that. Say, God, you're everything. God, you also laid out the groundwork from before time began that Jesus will be crucified. And we also know, similarly, think about, listen, listen, you've got a plan for our life. You've got something going on in our life. And Lord, we don't know what it is, but they're threatening us right now. Look at verse number two, what they prayed for what they prayed for. So what did they pray? This is so interesting, and I'm not saying it's wrong to do this, but they didn't pray that the leadership would change. They didn't pray that it would be easier. They didn't pray for the pain to go away or for them to be left alone or for them to be able to get the building permit for their new church building or anything. But their, their big, big theme, their overarching goal in their mind was to get the gospel to people, was to lift up the name of Jesus Christ for people to be saved. And they prayed to be put in God's plan to make that happen. You know, God's plan, if you read the end of all the gospels, God's plan is to get the gospel to everybody. Going into all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you, lo, I'm with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. That's the great commission. That's their mission. And so in their mission, they weren't asking for, for pleasure, for comfort, for ease. They just wanted to be used in the mission. Look at it. So verse 28, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determine before to be done. And now, Lord, so they got, they acknowledged who God is. God, you're in control. You're sovereign. We understand your plan is to get the gospel to people. Verse 29, and now, Lord, here's our prayer request. Now, Lord, behold their threatenings. I imagine their people, just like you and I are, they were probably a little nervous. You know, if, if Henderson County came up to me and Sheriff Lowell Griffin turned out to be not what we thought he was, he wouldn't do this, but Sheriff Lowell Griffin said, listen, if you keep preaching the name of Jesus, uh, you just better watch out. You saw what we did the last guy. We've been, we've been killing people who are preaching the name of Jesus. I'm threatening you. I'm going to beat you. They're, they're, they're going to be beaten all throughout here and, and later on. Uh, you are not going to do it anymore. And I would say, I would say well, we've got to do it anyways. I know what the Bible says, but when I got home that night, I'd probably be a little nervous. When I came to the church to, to share what's going on, and maybe some of the church said, yeah, you should. Some of the church said, well, you should really maybe back off a little bit. Whatever we decided, in my heart, I'd be nervous. Because nobody wants pain. Nobody wants really to, to die, I, I don't think, right off. And, uh, and they said, behold, their threatenings. You, you know what's going on, God. You heard what they said. You were there. Behold their threatenings and grant, look at verse 29, grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may preach the word, may speak thy word, by stretching forth thine hand to heal, 
and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. What did they pray for? They prayed, God, use me in what you're doing. We don't know how it's going to turn out, but we know you have a plan. Please use me in that plan. And I want you to see the last point, the power of praying in the will of God for the will of God. Look at number three. What they prayed for, number three, when they had prayed. When they had prayed. So they said, God, this is who you are. I know who you are. God, you've got a plan. I don't know what it is, but I want to be used in it. Give me boldness. Help me not to be nervous. Lord, the, the signed Acts was a transitional book, a lot of signs and wonders. Lord, help us to heal more people. Give us signs, not to lift, lift us up, but so that more people will believe in Jesus. And when they had prayed, verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And when they had prayed, God answered. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Unbelievable power from on high when they had prayed. It's almost not worth mentioning, but you notice God didn't answer until they had prayed. There's a lot of things that you and I could wish for. I wish God would work in this situation. Have you prayed? Have you prayed? When they had prayed, the place was shaken. I don't think anybody in this room prays enough. Now, I don't know. It's one of those things that's, that is by, by its very nature in the Bible, a secret thing. And we don't pray to, to make a show or anything, but I know I sure don't pray enough. And I think if you were to examine yourself, you'd realize that you're not praying enough. But you realize power comes from prayer. Nothing happens until we pray. I've said before, you can do a lot after you pray, but you can't do anything until you pray. Until we pray and get power from on high and ask God for wisdom and ask God to intervene, we're just spinning our wheels. You know that you can pray right now. When you get home, you can kneel and pray. Pray for some missionary in China or Iceland. And you can be there. You can supernaturally affect the outcome of a situation by your prayer. Asking God to intervene. God, please give that preacher boldness. When they had prayed. We're going to be talking a lot about prayer this year, but with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you wouldn't mind, and Brother Sam, if you'd make your way to the piano, maybe play our theme song. I want you to think about this, this poem. This was written in the 1700s by William Cooper. It's called What Prayer Does. Just think about this, an attitude of prayer. What various hindrances we meet in coming to a mercy seat. Yet who knows the worth of prayer but wishes to be often there. Prayer makes the darkened cloud withdraw. Prayer climbs the ladder Jacob saw. Gives exercise to faith and love, brings every blessing from above. Restraining prayer, we cease to fight. Prayer makes the Christian's armor bright. And listen, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. While Moses stood with arms spread wide, success was found on Israel's side. But when through weariness they failed, that moment Amalek prevailed. Have you no words? Ah, think again. Words flow apace when you complain and fill your fellow creature's ear with the sad tale of all your care. Were half the breath thus vainly spent to heaven in supplication sent, your cheerful song would oftener be, Hear what the Lord has done for me. 
And when they had prayed, would you stand please right where you are? Would you stand please? Let me ask you a question with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Just a brief invitation here. I know we have some, some people that don't, don't always come first time, second, third time. Maybe you've gone to church all your life, but I don't want a service to go by without asking. If you die today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Do you know Jesus? Have you been saved? If there's somebody in this room that said, Jonathan, I don't know. If I died today, I'd go to heaven, but I'd like you to pray for me. Would you raise your hand just right where you are? I'm not for sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I'm not sure. How many of you say, Jonathan, praise God, I do know if I died today, I would go to heaven. Raise your hand as a testimony. I'm going to heaven, I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Now, how many of you would say just between you and God, just as an uplifted hand as a testimony, say, Jonathan, I need to pray more. I acknowledge, I need, raise your hand, I need to pray more. If your hand is raised, will you do this? I understand COVID, we don't want to be close, but if your hand is raised, will you please either kneel where you are, come to the front, and let's pray right now. You can make your way forward, come on, if you're, especially if you're a gentleman, you're able to come kneel in front of everybody, please come, let's pray, let's pray, please come. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were. When they had prayed, God answered. If you're in your seat, you can sit down, you can kneel. When they had prayed. And let's pray, not for show, not so people will see you kneeling. Please don't. Don't, don't do any of this for anybody, please. Between you and God, say, Lord, I need to pray more. Lord, forgive me where I have failed to pray. I heard of a story where somebody died and went to heaven and they were getting the tour of heaven. And they walked into one room and it was everything that they had ever wanted out of life. Blessings of God. God using them in a miraculous way. And they said, what is this room? And the tour guide replied, this is everything that God wanted to give you if you'd only prayed for it. I says, you have not because you ask not. When they had prayed, the place was shaken. Oh God, we come before you here this morning, God, just a humble people. Lord, we love you. God, you are creator God. You're our father God. You are the one true God, Lord, and we come before you in humility, God. Lord, we've not prayed like we should. I pray you'd forgive us. Lord, I pray that 2021 would be the year we rediscover the joy and the power of walking with you in prayer. Lord, I don't know what 2021 is bringing, but I know we can't do it without you. Lord, help us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.